0: You have to trust that the dots will somehow connect in your future. You have to trust in something. Your gut, destiny, life, karma, whatever. Stay hungry. 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 Foolish. Foolish. Stay hungry. Stay foolish.
1: Welcome to eCommerce All-Stars, brought to you by Nadeemo.com, where we help e-commerce entrepreneurs accelerate growth through modern technology and innovative thinking. Hey everyone, thanks for joining today's podcast with your host Brandon Moskow, of course, and today I'm excited. I have my friend Andrew Busby on the line. He's the founder of Retail Reflections and a Forbes contributor, and he's an all-around retail expert, so I love to have him on the show. Uh, He's been a guest before, and uh, I'm super pumped to have you here today. Thanks for joining us today, Andrew.
0: Hi, Brendan, It's great to be here. Thanks for having me
1: on again. Well, like I said, it's always a pleasure. Um, today, what we're going to talk about is a lot about the current cons- uh, current consumer. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about some uh, how we got to where we are today with various demanding customer demands and that sort of thing. And we'll talk some trends and and a lot about tech as well. Um, so so yeah. So I hope you're ready because I've got I've got a lot to throw at you, Andrew.
0: It sounds like there's a lot we're going to cover today.
1: I think so, but you know, I want to pick your brain, and you got a lot of information in there. So let's just uh, let's just dive right in. But before we do too much there, I want to if you could refresh everybody a little bit. Those who haven't heard the podcast in the past when you were on, um, but or or who aren't familiar with you, if you could just give a little bit of a background on yourself so that they they know a little bit more about you.
0: Yeah, sure. Sure. Thanks. So my retail uh, journey, if you like, started about 20 years ago and I was a, a retailer. Uh, but uh, since then, I've um, worked with uh, a lot of the uh, top retailers in uh, many in the UK. Uh, and um, now with uh, my own company, Retail Reflections, we we basically we write and uh, speak about retail. So, um, yeah, you mentioned that I, I write for Forbes, but I do a lot of other, uh, writing for, uh, my clients and, um, and speaking at, um, uh, an ever growing number of events. And I think that the great thing, if you like about retail, although I would say I'm not sure I'd want to be a retailer right now, but being in the industry is it's, it's kind of the, the industry that keeps on giving because there's just so much to, uh, to write and talk about. Uh, and it just depends on which particular aspect that uh, uh, you want to cover. And um, it sounds as if uh, there's quite a few that we're going to cover today. Yeah, there is, and we'll cover. We'll hopefully we'll cover
1: it all. And if we don't, maybe you'll have to come back. But um, you'd mentioned there that you know you're not sure you'd want to be a retailer right now. Um, I have. I probably have a slightly different view on it. Not maybe not so um pessimistic, but that's okay. We can talk about that as we go. Um I do know though, and a lot of data out there suggests that the current consumer has got a lot higher demands. Um and there's a lot we have a different consumer nowadays. Um probably in my guess would be probably largely in part to to all of the uh, options that are available online and off. Um, but maybe you could talk a little bit more about what the current consumer is and and how we got to where we are with that
0: yeah sure so um you're right that we all of us as consumers I and mean, we, we hear about the, the 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 clever the smart the savvy consumer and i think all that is absolutely true and and so it got me thinking uh, uh well how did we actually get to, the, to this point point? and for me there were There were two fundamental um, events that happened just over 10 years ago, uh, which have contributed um, largely to, to where we are today. The first was in January 2007 when Steve Jobs got up at Macworld in California and his session, his speech is available on YouTube and it's absolutely compelling. It's fantastic goes on for over an hour, but you only need to see the first 10 minutes or so to to really get the feel for it. He got up on stage and he launched the first iPhone. So that was January 2007. Uh, In some senses, a long time ago, but in others, it only feels like, particularly if you're my age, it only feels like yesterday. So what that did, that put the power in our pockets. So if we think now, I mean, we didn't know it then, and um, let's face it, 2007, uh, if memory serves me correctly, I think that would have been pre-Twitter days, as an example of social media. So, and, and fledgling, certainly Instagram wasn't around. Um, so, we didn't realize it at the time, he did, and, and now, obviously, you know, there are other flavors of smartphone available. Um, he put the power in our pockets and that completely shifted the, uh, relationship between consumers and retailers and brands. So now, you know, we, we, most of us, uh, carry a smartphone and you think about, you know, provided we've got the connectivity, which, uh, pretty much everywhere and even more when 5G begins to be rolled out, um, uh, in the UK, I believe that starts uh, towards the back end of next, uh, next year. Uh, so we got connectivity. We can broadcast. We can shop. We can, you know, do whatever we like through our smartphones from, from wherever. So we got the power and the influence in our pockets. Second thing that happened, which is the following year, which was, um, well, certainly that the, it hit the headlines here in the UK in September 2008. And that was the global financial crisis, which of course had its roots in the subprime. Uh, uh, issues and challenges and so on and so forth in, in, in the US, but that what that did was that that almost overnight gave us the incentive. So it's a bit of a cliche, but um and here in Europe, and I do believe there are stores uh, in in the in the US now. I'm not sure about Canada, but the the German supermarkets Aldi and Lidl, which are discounters. The old cliche is that you'd never, 10 years ago, you'd never seen a BMW or a Mercedes or whatever in their car parks. Now, of course you do. And, and the point there being is that the demographic has completely changed. And so rather than, uh, seeing a certain type of demographic in shopping in discounts, now you see, uh, people from right across the spectrum. And, and, and that is seen to be smart and clever. And, and savvy, and I think that that um, change in our behaviour as consumers, it doesn't just apply to uh, to retail, uh, but it, it's it's certainly probably most acute within within retail. But that I think is a permanent shift, um, and and it, it, we won't go back to 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 our behaviour beforehand. Um, and of course, for retailers, one of the things that that means is that we are no longer loyal in the way that we used to be and the way that our parents were and if we all kind of stop and think about our own personal shopping habits i would argue that most of us now have got different um habits um to to the ones we, we we used to have yes we're still creatures of um of of it in, in in a sense but but that loyalty and that sense of of, of loyalty has gone you know we're, we're loyal to our our friends and our family and to our our dog or our cat or whatever it happens to be you know depending on you know uh you know whether whether we uh you know we have one of those or or, or whatever but fundamentally we do not feel any sense of guilt or anything approaching it uh when we're shifting brands, so if it's fashion, we'll go to one one day, another the next day, the next week, et cetera, et cetera. we can shop at a number of different uh supermarkets, grocery stores uh, we can go at, we can go to the top of these so in the u k that would be a marks and Spencer or a Waitrose um, or we could even go into harrod's food hall, but then the next day we could quite as easily be at a pound shop and and not feel that that is slightly strange behavior or unusual behavior whatsoever that is just the new normal Um, so and along with all of that is that as consumers with the with this tool the smartphone in our pocket we expect uh that we have a voice and we expect that that voice will be heard and so i'm thinking here particularly if we use social media to uh, voice uh our displeasure or whatever it happens to be about a certain brand, certain level of service, whether it be product or whatever uh, uh, a bad experience we not only expect to be able to broadcast direct to that brand but or it could even be direct to the c e o if they have for example a Twitter account, but we expect that voice to be heard and to get a response and if we don 't, we get quite fed up about it and uh if that happens once, okay, we may stay there. If it happens twice, hmm, we could well be moving. Three times it's almost certain that we're probably gonna shift brands. So um hopefully that, that kind of answers your question. And I think, you know, we, we we all as consumers have fundamentally shifted and changed. Uh and I think retailers are still kind of playing catch up in that process.
1: No, that makes a lot of sense and I mean I think you're rather forgiving by saying, you know, three times of not being heard or something like that because I mean I I've I've always felt that I'm a fairly loyal shopper, but then you start talking about, you know, going to three or four different supermarkets and that sort of thing and I start realizing, yeah, okay, you know, there's that side of me where I'm gonna go to, to three different sh- supermarkets because one thing's on sale at one and not at the other. Um and so that starts To show that the loyalty there may not be there Um, now that said when you get talking about you know being heard I think everybody expects to be heard Um, and and with the bots now that people are using I'm a fan I'm an advocate of using bots I think it's a great way to to uh, to get essentially to be able to uh, try, I'm stuck on the word, but basically, it allows you to, to speak with and engage with your customers at a level you've never been able to do before. But you have to, it can't be robotic. It has to allow them to talk to somebody in, as quickly as they need to. Um, so if they're getting frustrated with the answers they're getting from the bot, you need to be able to have them online with somebody right away. Um, And that all said and done, I think if I haven't been heard even just once, you know, I'm going to start to, I start losing that confidence and that certainty that 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 brand or that store or whoever it is can actually meet my needs. Um, And so I'm going to start looking elsewhere right off the bat as soon as that certainty is lost Um, Mm -hmm. and that can be from just one experience. Um, I do like to give them an opportunity, and so yeah, I'm one who will like I don't do it publicly on social media, but I might send them a, a DM or I might send a an email in because I'm just one of those people who likes to keep my my Twitter, for example, a positive state. But that said, I do expect to hear back, and if I don't hear back or I just get an automated reply saying we well, thank you, we'll be with you soon." and i never hear back from that or the the result isn't there i'm going to walk away and there's all kinds of statistics and numbers that prove prove the point that people are willing to give you a chance and it's how you deal with that that chance as well um but that said that all said um what what you were saying what does that mean for retailers now like what what do they have to do to to uh,
0: be able to succeed yeah, I mean, obviously the obvious thing to say is that oh, they need to be more responsive, but, but, but to go deeper than that, they more than ever before, they need to know their customer. So if we think back, um, well, I'll give you a good example. Um, a friend of mine is a independent retailer. He's got one store. Uh, it's very small. It's only maybe, oh, Less than a thousand square, probably five hundred square feet, but he sells all sorts of stuff in there. He sells hardware. He sells um, gardening uh, equipment. He sells pet food. He sells, uh, you know, there's a whole whole range of of, of, uh, of things that that um, he, he he covers. Um, and I spent some time with him uh, not so long ago and whilst i was in his store i don't know i probably counted about a dozen customers um came in and not only did dave know every single one of them they knew him Uh, but the really interesting thing was that several of them came in and they said oh i need such and such yeah um and he would say well what are you trying to trying to do um well, I'm trying to, um, yeah, blah, 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 whatever. And then he would and he would say, well, okay, hold on. I don't think you've asked for X, but actually I think Y is the better option for you. And then, then he would explain um, to them. So there was this real degree, not only of knowledge of the customer. And then I asked him, why do people come to you as opposed to going to some of the bigger uh, stores that have got a bigger range, probably better prices, and he said it came down to one thing trust so to answer your question what what retailers need to do now more than ever they need to earn their customer they need to know their customer and they need to earn their trust and 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 keep it uh and that's not an easy thing to do um but certainly for the first uh knowing your customer there are now um ways to do that uh, which haven't been available until relatively recently and i'm still surprised at the relatively low uptake amongst retailers of this and what i'm referring to is uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning so with that you can get to know your customer pretty much on a one-to-one level at scale and you can learn uh, about them and you can learn. And, and then, and then of course you move into this, this, this area, which I refer to as, you know, hyper personalization, although actually it really should be called, uh, you know, genuine or, uh, you know, uh, sincere personalization, because I think 99% of the personal so-called personalization that we experience today is nothing more than ambulance chasing. It, it's retrospective after the event uh and you know it really doesn't add to any value whatsoever. Um now having said all that, for me one of the fascinating aspects of all of this is are we as consumers, as you know members of the population, are are, are we actually ready for that level of personalization from retailers? We hear so much about um uh data privacy and and so forth and over here in 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 europe we introduced gdpr last year um and i just wonder whether uh people are going to are going to feel that um large retailers getting to know them on a very very intimate personal level and know their needs and wants and habits and so on and so forth whether that really is going to feel uh, like, you yeah, know, they got far too close to us and, 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 it, and then it becomes intrusive and it becomes creepy and so on and so forth. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. So part of me thinks that, that that's going to be over the next sort of couple of years. I think that that is going to play out. And if I'm honest, I'm not sure which way that's, that's going to, going to go. And I think we're probably going to have several iterations uh, of that, that, you know, um, uh, real personalisation, as, as I call it. Um, however, I think that once brands and retailers deliver real value to us as individuals, real value to our lives, then hopefully that 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 feeling will will rapidly um, disappear. Uh, and um, and but but I think that there's going to be a process of maturing whereby you know that 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 creepiness factor that intrusiveness is is going to be have to be flushed through the system if uh, if you like um because uh, i think there's probably particularly when we hear all about the um you know that we over here we we struggle at the moment with brexit and we're still struggling with the outcome if you like and the whole way that the you know that the um uh the the vote uh and and all the you know the context and and scenario around that and all that happened and, and the various influences and so on and so forth and without being a remain or or a leave or, or anything like that um you know that th- we're still struggling as as a nation with with uh, with all of that so i think you know that there's against this 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 high degrees of personalization uh, there's this there's almost this fear that these there are kind of these you know we we shouldn't become slaves to the algorithm and that there are these somehow there are these dark forces that are at work that are um uh manipulating us through you know through various means and so on and so forth and um uh again you know i think what what will shake out over the coming years is far more accountability uh of the likes of a google facebook and uh, and so forth
1: yeah it's really interesting actually because i think about it too from the perspective of of tech and using ai and machine learning and all those new technologies that are are really really there now for us to grab and use and and i mean i've talked about um ai and machine learning and really the the iot era and all that and i've you know, taking the A at a persona, basically becoming the person. And, you know, so you're no longer working with a persona, you're working with a person. And I think it's it's rather important. But the twist to that is, like you said, is the trust factor needs to be there. Otherwise, people start getting creeped out. Well, how do they know this? And I don't want them to know this about me. And, and that sort of thing. So, you know, for example, I go into... You know, I go into a small local store like you're talking about, and yeah, I, I want that one-on-one. I want them to get to know who I am because I'm buying from them, and and I'm more than willing once that trust is built up to say, yeah, I need this product, and then they ask, what is it for, and then they tell me, well, you actually probably want to look at this because it's cheaper, or this might be a better option because, you know, it might cost you a bit more, but this is going to get you to what you want in the end, and. And these types of things, and, and I'd much rather have that level of an experience than go in, say, I'm looking for this, and they say, okay, it's over here, and point you to it, and you're done. Yeah. Um, but okay. then when, when you take that to, um, and I think even in big box retail stores, I think that's an important aspect to have. And if they can do that, um, I think they're doing that, they're going to do that much better. Um, even at a box level store. Now that said, you take that online, and people start getting creeped out a little bit more. Um, and I think it's because I think it's because you said, like you said, there's going to be many iterations of it until we get it right. Um, and right now, it's everybody's—they're using it to sell, right? And I think that, yes, sales are important, but you have to sell properly. You can't just go in there and say, okay, yeah, here's what you want. Um, or try and upsell people all the time. What you need to do is really learn what is it that they need and what they want. Um, I mean, those being two different things. And I mean, me not necessarily being a sales expert, I do know, though, that that people want that personal interaction and they want to be able to know that they can trust the suggestions or recommendations that are being made to them and not being sold something. Yes. Um, and so if you can do that in an online experience, then you're that much further ahead, in my opinion. Um, I know that the two experiences are very different because that trust factor online and and whatnot, it may not, especially with the, with the new regulations and stuff like that, but that's just trying to help build that level of trust, um, I think. And if you can build that level of trust, not only in your store and if you're using omni channel, so let's say you have a retail outlet and an e commerce presence, you can bridge that gap a lot easier, I think, in some ways, than if you just have an e commerce presence. Um but in the same vein, there are ways to do it online and off. And I think you're right, we're gonna go through many iterations of it before we get it right. But I think I think it, it could be something that's very allows for that personal and one-on-one person level experience um, as opposed to them, you know, trying to sell to a persona you're working with your you know, customer or consumer to get them what they need. And then they're going to come back because they feel that trust is there and they've established that trust and that loyalty will start to be rebuilt again. Because I mean, think of retail many, many years ago when you're talking about the level of loyalty that was there. Um, People would go into a store. They'd know you by name. They took the time to get to know what you're looking for, and what you're after, and and those were the stores you went to, wanted to go back to, um, and you had that level of loyalty in those stores. Things have changed a lot, um, and like you said in the very beginning, and now we're in a situation where essentially, to me, you have to rebuild that level of trust right from the ground up, um, and and I think the best way to do that is to not not sell to people, but learn learn, and get to know those people so that you're giving them, you're providing them with a solution, not selling them with something.
0: Well, yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and I um, go back to over 100 years to a good old um, Harry Selfridge, and um, his philosophy was uh, to provide uh, a great environment, great service, and those two things will bring them into the store and then great product and price and so forth will hopefully keep them there but what he also um in particular uh said was that he wanted his store um to be a place where people wanted to go just simply to get together to socialize to be maybe entertained to eat to to drink you know whatever it happened to be and if they bought something on that particular visit, great. But if they didn't, that didn't matter, because hopefully they would have done enough to encourage them to go back, and hopefully on the next occasion they would. So what he was saying uh, over 100 years ago are what you see a lot of people now saying, as if it's something new, you know, about you know what we now call well, customer experience, but you know the, the horrible phrase experiential retail. Uh, but I guess you know what I mean by that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and people, you know, seem to think, well, this, this is you know, this is something new. Well, it's not. You know, it's it's you know, Harry Selfridge opened his store in 1909. So uh, this has been around for a long, long time. Uh, but I think what's happened is that for decades um, things were easy. If you're a retailer, then uh, you wanted to grow and expand, and so you open more and more and more stores. And basically the stores were somewhere where you, you put product on shelves, you put a roof on it to keep the rain off the product and you open the doors and people come in and they'll buy. And, and that just went on for decades and decades. And, and you had KPIs like sales per square foot and sales per employee and so on and so forth. KPIs, which now, uh, in the world that we're, we're now in, um, are almost completely meaningless. And yet, a lot of retailers are still, what I call legacy retailers, are still stuck uh, with those uh, those metrics, as opposed to focusing on ones like, how is my customer feeling? Mm-hmm. And what journey is my customer on today? Because in the same store, the same customer, they can be on any number of journeys, but Two, fundamentally, one could be a very, very quick get in and get out distressed by or another one could be a browsing. And yes, they perhaps want to uh, have some advice. They want to engage, etc. etc. et, cetera, et cetera. Um, So for me, that's one of the key things for, for retailers now is to uh, is to intimately understand what journey, whether this be physical or online, what journey is your customer on any given, uh, not easy, but we talked about AI and machine learning and, and, and with those, uh, technologies, uh, then you can get some very, very good insights into, uh, you know, just what, what journey are, are people on because, because we now, because we're, we're this far more savvy, demanding consumer who expects far more, uh, we expect retailers and brands to, you know, almost to know, you know, why we're shopping and in what context um and if they don't and they don't act appropriately then yeah we get highly irritated by that and i i mentioned three times you mentioned once and yeah uh you're probably near the truth than i am uh in that you know we we are far less tolerant and patient and so we will move on
1: yes we will <clears throat> Yeah, and I think everything you've said about the uh, the journey and, and building trust and everything from a retail perspective can apply online as well. And one of the things that you did mention there was, was you know, you, you used to put up a store, open the doors, people would come in and they'd shop. Um, and to be honest, in a sense, that's what e-commerce has been doing, especially in the pure e-commerce plays. Um, they had been doing that. You just throw up a store generate traffic to your store and people will buy from your store um, the you know it's basically like stocking your shelves and then letting people go and buy it off the shelves the problem is is there's no level of trust built there's no level of loyalty built because of that trust or no level of connection made um, and there are a lot of e-commerce companies out there that are doing a lot better at it I mean Casper is a really good example mm-hmm. where I mean I saw a perf- the perfect ad ever in my life I thought was awesome is is just that it's all it is is the, it's a TV commercial not a big fan of TV commercials they used to love them, but they've gone away from what they used to be but really all this was was customer you know basically all it was was people talking like it was uh, testimonials the whole commercial is testimonial testimonial testimonial. And it builds up that level of trust and it builds that that feeling that you want to buy from them because everybody else is, but not just that, but because they're a trustworthy company and one you kind of to want to work with. Um, and yeah. that's just the whole essence of what I think needs to happen um, online, but also in a personal one-on-one retail environment.
0: No, I um, totally agree. Absolutely. That said, though,
1: <clears throat> um in the interest of time I was wondering if you had anything else you wanted to share um and then we'll, then I'm going to hit you with the with the the big question
0: the uh, the big question uh can't wait um great right. just I think we could do a whole new uh we could have a, a whole new discussion on this but just the other thing that um uh I think that what's um what's happening at the moment for me is is quite fascinating. what I mean by that is 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 our constant uh, desire to shop online and and I do this you know myself when it when it's convenient and so on and so forth and um uh, an online particularly mobile online shopping we know is i haven't to hand I haven't got the figures but i know that 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 is increasing um Online as a total percentage of all sales here in the UK, give or take is, is total. This is, is around about, it's nudging 26%. Um, figures do vary according to what, you know, which source you look at, but, but I've seen figures of, of that nature. For me, it's really interesting as to how those figures are derived because how do you, uh, you know, where does the sales attribution uh, take place um you know we could go on we could be at home uh on our phone or our laptop and we have a look at something and uh but we actually want to feel and touch it so we go to the store and we buy it in store is that a store sale or is that an online sale right. and vice versa so but fundamentally that we, we know that online is still growing um Where's it going to plateau? Where where's gonna become that point of um equilibrium if if you like? Is it gonna be a what's well, it here? It's yeah, you twenty-something know, percent, let's say. Is it gonna plateau at 50 Uh forty percent, sixty percent? Nobody really knows, and nobody's really uh providing uh much commentary on this. But I think that's a really important thing because that um is going to help to determine what sort of physical shopping experience we're going to have in the future yeah. um, we all know that uh, most re- but here uh, probably globally certainly in, in, in the US and probably Canada we know that uh, a lot of retailers have got too much space they're trying to you know that, so that but i i've never ever seen a business contract to success you know which is what most of them are doing they're trying to um uh yeah get rid of stores because they've got too much space and they think well there's a cost associated with that well that was the gravy train from decades from the 70s 80s 90s and it's all uh you know it's coming home to roost now um so i've never seen a a a business contract uh to to success but um so that's kind of like the the you know a bit of a doomsday scenario in terms of we're going to see all these empty stores and so on and so forth but the other side of that is that Things are changing and uh, new uses will be put to, to those. And also the retail stores that we, um, that we are left with, if you like, once this whole sort of period of Darwinism on the high street, uh, plays out, the stores that, that we're going to have in the future are going to be so much better than they are today because they'll have to be. So yeah. that, 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 you know, that's uh, actually, um, uh, an exciting, scenario not necessarily for you know if you look at individual retail businesses some of which you know are, are going or gone out of business um but for the consumer it is quite an exciting scenario but i just think that we need to be careful what we wish for um and you know we'll we'll, we'll see but um you know as habits change then retail needs to change and retail actually needs to uh, in that sense, it needs to find its its new place in society. And it needs yeah. to almost redefine its relationship, not just with us, but with manufacturers. You mentioned Casper, great example mm. of a um, direct to, so this is manufactured direct to consumer model. Um, and we'll, we're going to continue to see more and more of, uh, of those. Um, so, yeah. it. it For the time, uh, for retailers, it's, um, yeah, you could call it that, but it's also very challenging. Yeah,
1: I think there's a whole, I'm going to invite you back because I want to have a conversation about how you see the future of retail um, because I I think there's some very good points and I think you and I could have a very good debate on it because I'm coming from a very digital world. Um, and you're coming from a very tactile world. And so I think you and I need to have another podcast where we talk about just those very points. Um, but we'll save those for an, another show. Like I just said, <laughs> uh, um, I, I'm going to round it up here with, do you have any final words of wisdom and how people can get a hold of you?
0: Well, I guess, yes. I think if, um, if you're asking me what, what, what would I be saying to, to a retailer today? Uh, well, um first thing would be throw away the the rule book. what worked before does not work now um you need to uh you need to completely move away from what was once thought to be the best practice of running a retail business because it simply doesn't apply anymore um so don't do what you've always done, but just working harder because it's not going to work um you need to do things differently you need to think. You need to think far more, um, uh, almost uh, as as, a, as an independent retailer, and uh, in the way that they think, uh, and a startup. Um, because you know, if you talk to a startup, they and maybe they have got a few stores. They, typically, they'll start online and then they may open a few stores. They don't care. They don't worry about you know. They don't talk about channels and things like this. They they just you know it, it's all sales to uh, to them. Uh, so they, they talk in a completely different language. So that would be the first thing. And I think the, the second thing uh, for me, and we've talked a bit about, uh, referred to technology um, today, I would say before you make any of those new, your, your your next technology investments, really stop and think about what your brand stands for and how you want your brand to be perceived by your customers, because if you don't know that, and if you're not clear, then you're not in any position to make any technology decisions. Um, Once you understand that intimately and with clarity, then the technology decisions will become a lot easier to make and a lot clearer. So those would be the things that I would say. I I should ask
1: for and for very brief words of wisdom, but no, just kidding. Uh, Those are great, (laughs) thank you. Um, And how can people get a hold of you?
0: Yes, and get a hold of me. So the website is uh, retail-reflections.co.uk. I'm on email for us uh, old folks, and that's Andrew at retail-reflections.co.uk. I'm on Twitter at Andrew Busby and at Retail Reflect. And all those contact details are, are up on the website. Okay. Well, thanks for being
1: on the show today. I think that was a great show. We had a lot of words of wisdom for everybody right from the very beginning. Um, to an excellent discussion. I appreciate your time today, Andrew.
0: Always a pleasure, Brandon. Thanks so much. You have to trust that the dots will somehow connect in your future. You have to trust in something. Your gut, destiny, life, karma, whatever. Stay hungry. Hungry. hungry, hungry, hungry. Foolish. Stay hungry. Stay Foolish.
1: Welcome to e-commerce all-stars brought to you by com, where we help e-commerce entrepreneurs accelerate growth through modern technology and innovative thinking.